Between the kids being home and hosting, everything in our house gets used up in summer. With Instacart, I can save money by stocking up on all my favorite summer brands. I save time by getting everything delivered in as fast as an hour. And I save myself a sink full of dirty dishes by stocking up on paper plates for the annual summer cookout. Save more on summer essentials? Spend more time enjoying summer. Add summer to cart. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Seventy uh, in a much better game than we saw uh, against Eastern. Rod, they played this one pretty tight until about the under five uh, timeout, uh, and then Michigan State just kind of pulls away from them um, through the end of the first half into the second half, where Langford comes out and hits a three, um, and then. It, they get a little sloppy and let Notre Dame back into this at one point up close to 26, 28 points. But uh, Notre Dame kind of claws their way in as Michigan State uh, was playing some heavily uh, reserved minutes at toward the end there. Um, but much better effort on the defensive end this game and the rebounding. What what was your uh, take on it? Yeah, I mean, this was not a 10-point game. <laughs> no. This was, this was a blowout. And it started... I would say the defensive effort from about the seven-minute mark in the first half to maybe, I don't know, about the six- or seven-minute mark into the second half mm-hmm. um, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. That is, you know, we talked about the fact that we thought Michigan State had a chance to be an elite team defensively on the perimeter. And we definitely saw that tonight. But the the question mark was, how is the interior going to sort out? Last season, you had Xavier Tillman, who, you know, would just lock everybody up, right? Yeah. You didn't have that one guy. You had, at least for me, I had questions about how Joey Hauser would defend. Um, you know, Marcus Bingham can block shots. We know that. But can he do the other things that are necessary to stay on the floor long enough for that? to make an impact. Um, you know, Kithier and, and Malik Call, you kind of know what you're getting with those guys. But um, I, uh, I, I was very, very impressed. You know, they're going to be teams that will test them a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing, dealing with Notre Dame is not like dealing with, say, Illinois' backcourt in the pick and roll. Um, but I thought Joey Hauser held up very nicely tonight uh in that area I, he didn't do anything spectacularly but he was solid which is all they need from him they just need him to be solid i thought he was good on his his help um i thought he stayed sound in the post when he was called on to do that uh really good stuff 
And Marcus Bingham, I thought, now he missed a couple shots late, which, you know, make his, his final field goal performance was three for eight, but I, I take nothing from that. I, Marcus Bingham for the second straight game, I thought was really good. And he's showing the kind of things that he needs to show to play a significant role on this team, mm-hmm. you know, but they just, I mean, across the board, the defensive effort was sensational. Aaron Henry was absolutely dominant yeah. defensively. He had four blocks. Michigan State as a team had 12. And, nine and I think steals. most of those came in the first half. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of steals too, which is not something we normally see from them. But Aaron Henry, Marcus made them four blocks each. Gabe had two. And then Hall, they gave one to David, David, David Smith, uh, Steve Smith's son, uh, to round it out. But uh, Aaron Henry on the perimeter, I mean... You know, we talked about Notre Dame's best player is their point guard, Prentice Hub. Mm-hmm. And he was. He was their leading scorer. He was the leading scorer in the game, 23 points. But he needed 22 shots to get that. He was 7 for 22 from the floor. Uh, Michigan State, a combination mostly of Aaron Henry and Rocket Watts just locked his ass up. Mm-hmm. I mean, he And Stephen Bardo kept talking about how hard he had to work. Um yeah, I, I thought Michigan State's defense for about a 15-minute or so stretch in the middle of that game was as good as it's going to get. I mean, that is Final Four National Championship-level defense. Mm-hmm. Now, they need to sustain that. They're going to get tested by people who will play them and test them differently, you know. Um, I mentioned Illinois. It, it, the Notre Dame's guards are skilled. They're not particularly athletic. Yeah. So a group like Illinois, where there's a lot more athleticism, that's going to test you in different ways than they were tested at night. But make no mistake, as we saw for the first, you know, 12, 13 minutes of that first half, Notre Dame's got guys, as we talked about in the preview, that can hurt you from deep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as it stands, they did actually shoot 38% from three. But the, the key there was Michigan State limited them to 21 attempts. They took 60 shots from the floor overall. 21 of them were from three, so essentially a third. That's a win for Michigan State. And during that stretch when MSU was, trust me, that's not Notre Dame passing shots up. That's Michigan. That's a result of Michigan State not giving them looks. And and during that stretch where MSU was so dominant defensively, that's exactly what was going on. Their their guards didn't have an inch to breathe. It was sensational. I mean, I I could not be happier with what that the level of performance on the defensive end was from Michigan State during that stretch. Now, it you know, seemed like that that was a, a product of Rocket and Gabe Brown coming in. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. And I think, I think those two guys actually, you mentioned Langford, but I, I think where the game turned was two straight plays where Rocket Watts on the offensive end, where Rocket Watts found, um, Gabe Brown for dunks. Yeah. yeah. One was on a, a, from a half court set lob, which is great because I, I, it's, it's amazing to me for a program that's had as many great passers as Michigan State has had in recent years, you know, the Denzel Valentine era and then the Cassius Winston era, for whatever reason, they've had real trouble getting the high-feed lob to work on a consistent 
level. And to see Rocket do it twice on two consecutive possessions with Gabe, who is the the guy most likely to make that play. I don't know if Gabe or Aaron Henry is actually the team's best leaper. It's probably close, but but Gabe's the guy I trust in, in those situations. And those were two huge plays, and I felt that plus the defense really is what turned the tide. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those two guys at both ends really made contributions. And yeah, Gabe's playing great defense. Yeah. I'm very impressed with him. Here's the thing. Here's the scary thing. Michigan State can be better defensively. And the way they can be better is I think the one guy who hasn't yet guarded the way I think he can is Josh Langford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been a little bit – you saw it tonight on a couple of possessions, especially early on. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit late. That, that's going to change. That will change as he has you know more time under his belt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think – Look, I've watched a lot of basketball the last few days. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have. And there's some impressive teams, you know. But uh, I have not seen a team defend yet at the level that Michigan State did for that middle stretch of the game. Now, they need to sustain it for longer. Um, We're going to see ebbs and flows, of course, Um as as the season progresses from Michigan State even, forget other people. Um, but if you're an MSU fan, and I think probably literally everybody listening to this is, uh, you should be really, really excited by what you saw. Mm-hmm. Because that is pretty close to the ceiling of this team defensively. And that is a team that can win pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Would you make uh, a, it, uh, oh, Go ahead. It could win pretty much anything playing that way. What did you think of Joey Hauser's uh, 16 rebounds in this game? Great. And that's another thing, you know, we'll talk about. Very disappointing rebounding effort against Eastern Michigan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this one was a totally different story. MSU uh, won the offensive rebounding battle 11-6, to the overall rebounding battle by 13. But... At, yeah, it was it was a different story uh, than that first game. And Joey Hauser, you know, it, some might look at the at his line. You know, he's only four for eleven from the floor, zero for four from three. I, I'm thrilled with the way he played. The sixteen <laughs> rebounds was big. Twelve of them on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. I thought he just owned the defensive glass. And and look, Notre Dame. We talked about Notre Dame's not a great rebounding team. So Michigan State should win the rebounding battle decisively, but should and did are two different things often. And this group needs to establish itself on the glass, in my opinion. And I think tonight they took a step toward doing that. You know, another number I'm really happy as I'm looking at this thing, Aaron Henry, eight defensive rebounds. That matters. Um, Marcus Bingham, seven off the bench. You know, um, Malik Hall had four off the bench. So a lot of good things happened, um, in, uh, in that area. I mean, this game in total, as I say, dismiss the last, you know, six, seven minutes of the game. It doesn't matter. Mm. The game was over. They were up 28. Um, and they kind of got sloppy and Notre Dame hit some shots and there were a lot of really bad calls. And I don't mean that calls where the officials necessarily missed everything but 
just calls that didn't need to be made. <laughs> they were just really bad calls. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, that, that, be very, very impressed with what you saw because I was. Uh, and then Foster had a little bit of a rough night defensively. Didn't get a whole lot of shots up. Only one shot taken. He had three points, two rebounds, three assists. Uh, no turnovers, though, and a steal. Um, yeah, you know, Bart, Bardo made the point that Notre Dame offensively, you know, we talked about Notre Dame being a good team offensively. And he made the point that one of the things that Mike Bray does is he um, he he tends to coach sort of the way that uh, NBA teams do, where they, they look to find mismatches. Mm. And Bardo said, oh, don't worry about this. You're not going to see that happen. I, I'm not so sure because I think we saw Big Ten teams attack Foster that way um, last season at times. Uh, so remains to be seen. But I, I still think the defensive end does not worry me so much. We've said this many times. To me, the key to Foster Lawyer being playable in a role is – can he initiate offense? Because we know he can hit shots, mm-hmm. but can he initiate offense? And again, Notre Dame's not a defensive team that's really going to test you, but it's it's an ACC team. You know, it's legitimate opposition. You want to make, uh, as I saw some people doing, the, the claim that, well, Eastern Michigan didn't prove anything. Well, it didn't prove he's going to go out and score 20 points a night, but I did see signs that he's a different player in terms of his ability to handle pressure and initiate offense. And I, I think he did okay in that area again tonight. Yeah. You know, we'll have another test coming on Tuesday at Duke and we're going to see how he handles that. But I think the good news is tonight, what we saw is some very encouraging from the other guy at that position, which means that Foster is not going to, you know, more realistically, he's going to be what we kind of thought he might be in an upside projection coming into the season where, you know, he might be a guy you asked to play 12 minutes, 15 minutes, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm happy with what I've seen thus far, expecting that kind of role from him. They need, make no mistake, this team needs Rocket Watts to be legit um, to reach its its potential because they can't be the defensive team mm-hmm. that they can be without him doing that. And that, that to me, for all the offensive things he did, he had a good game offensively, but the most encouraging thing to me is, and what convinced me that Eastern, the Eastern performance was really down to the kneecap issue and not having practiced very much, um, the way he checked, he looked like himself. Yeah, yeah. You know? Which he didn't. I thought he was very bad defensively against Eastern. Well, he was very, very good tonight. Mm. So, uh, encouraging. Who else we got here? Uh, Kithier, six point three rebounds and assist. I thought Thomas played very well. You know, and again, for anybody who gets upset because he's playing minutes that they think should go to somebody who has a higher ceiling. You don't understand Tom Izzo very well if you think that's how it's going to be. Thomas Kithier has a role on this team, and you saw what it can be tonight. He made good decisions. Um, what did he have? He had uh, only one assist, but I thought the offense hummed really well when he was on the floor. He and Joey Hauser as a passing combination, very, very strong. Yeah, I thought especially against that zone. 
Yep, exactly. And boy, how much better did the MSU offense? I didn't, I didn't expect Notre Dame to play quite that much zone, but if you yeah. think about it, with their lack of depth, it makes sense. Um, but MSU just dissected it. I mean, just tore it up. And those two guys and others were, were a big part of that. But I thought Kithier played really well. I thought defensively he was good. And that's no surprise. He, he can't do the things, you know, he's not going to have a four block game like Marcus Bingham had. But Thomas Kithier is going to play sound positional defense. He's going to be where he's supposed to be on time all the time. And he's going to make the guy he's guarding work. And that's what he did. I mean, I thought he was going up against Durham, who's, you know, 6'11". He's got like three inches on him, and he made him work. Yeah. He did exactly what you want him to do. So, you know, he talked coming into this season about wanting to play a Kenny Goins-type role. And I don't think he's going to get the minutes that Kenny did as a senior, but it's it's similar in a sense in that he can be a guy – who checks some important boxes for Michigan State. And and that's going to look. I mean, there's no reason, based on what we saw tonight, that Thomas Kithier shouldn't continue to play a decent-sized role. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, I, I just I, – I think he answered the bell. Uh, and then we mentioned Bingham a little bit, but um, there were some pretty uh, in, uh, impressive post moves there. The fadeaway. Yes. A uh, little hook that's, shot. That's why I was one of the reasons I was so happy with his play is that I agree. I think offensively, and again, he missed some shots late to end up three for eight from the floor. Disregard yeah. that. He, when the game mattered, he was really good. He took his time. He's stronger and he was going against a guy who's a legit shot blocker in Durham and scored over him a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was really happy with the way Marky played. And then obviously the seven rebounds, the four blocks, um, he did those things as well, you know? Uh, so right now, much as we say, well, Foster is, in my opinion, proving that he's capable of playing a certain role so far, so good with Marcus Bingham. Yeah. You know, because because the things that I'm seeing look repeatable to me. You mentioned those post moves that looks repeatable. That mm-hmm. doesn't you know, last year. He would occasionally hit a shot like that, but it it always looked awkward and it kind of felt like um, I don't want to say he got lucky. It's not that, but that it wasn't something you could count on. It didn't look reliable. Yeah, I kind of feel like his over these first two games and especially tonight, what he did looks reliable to me. I think, I think his upper body clearly has gotten stronger. He just, you can see it physically, right? Mm-hmm. He just looks a little different. He's actually, those shoulders are, it's just, it's just broader now. And, and I think he's using that to good effect and he's taking his time and he's not rushed or rattled. He just seems to be a much more composed player. And if he's that, Man, look out, because that's because then you can play him, and and defensively too. Again, it's only one game, but he he's not getting lost the way that he would have a tendency to do in the past. Yeah, if he can do those things, man, he's playable the way he was tonight. Where I don't know, I don't know the minutes in front of me, but I'm yeah. guessing 15. he was probably okay. So mid teens, man, if he plays those kind of minutes, he's going to impact things. Because that length plays, as we know. 
Um, and, and if you've got a presence like that inside, what we saw three years ago with um, Jaron Jackson, what that can do. And, mm-hmm. and again, this is already potentially a really good perimeter defense team. But if you have a goaltender back there like Marcus Bingham for a certain amount of minutes, wow, you go up a whole other level. Mm-hmm. Because then there's no bailout in any of it. There's no, there's no relief <laughs> for for an opposing team, you know? Yeah, so uh, then you got Marvel and Sissoko got in there for three minutes apiece. Uh, both had an impact. Uh, Sissoko is, is definitely an impact player, although he did have three personal fouls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, things are going to happen when he's in the game. Yeah. Will, will they always be great? No. <laughs> the fouls are not surprising. You know, Izzo compared him to Alana Gagne before the season started, and that's what he was talking about. It was uh, Physique is somewhat similar, too, but he was talking about the propensity to foul. And, and that, I, now I thought, you know, a couple of those calls against him, I thought were ones that I'm talking about that an official shouldn't be making that call in that game. Mm-hmm. They're ridiculous. Technically, might they have been a foul? Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. don't but swallow the whistle, man. Everybody's trying to get home. Um, but, uh, you know, turning back to Marble played very little, just a little stretch while the game was still live, but had a great play, I thought. Where and it's the kind of thing you want to see. You kind of catch the ball in traffic, and he had the poise to gather, pivot, and create space for himself to finish. Mm-hmm. And then he got fouled, and he went to the line to hit the free throw. Um, you know, Julius Marble is a guy. Again, you know, we're talking about Kithier giving them things they can rely on. We're talking about Bainham playing well, looking like it's repeatable. We saw more of the Hauser Hall combination tonight. I noticed. Um, so it's the path to minutes for Marble and Sissoko is kind of tough, but I, I don't rule it out. You know, Julius Marble to me looks like he's continuing to get better, and it's it's going to be a matter of when the opportunities present themselves. Uh, but I think he's I think he's capable of playing in meaningful minutes in meaningful games mm-hmm. and doing a job. Sissoko. Look, it's a process, man. I I don't know when the light will fully go on. I suspect that it will at some point, but I don't know at at what point. You know, Izzo said that he apparently, I don't know, it was yesterday or the day before, had just a sensational day of practice. So that's a good sign, right? You mm-hmm. can take that to mean it's it's coming. But um, you know, the good news is with all these guys we're talking about, MSU doesn't need him for a lot this year. Yeah, yeah. You know, if he can be a guy that you bring in for five minutes, and and I'm thinking about, you know, in a game against a team like Illinois or Purdue that have multiple big post guys that they're going to try to play through a lot, and you might need some guys to soak up fouls and also just to present a physical op- opposing force. Mm-hmm. Against a big kid, you know, Purdue, we talked in our preview, they had a freshman, Zach, oh, Edie. And 7 yeah. 3. Yeah, and he scored 17 the other night. So he's playing. Um, and we know about Trevion Williams, right? Mm-hmm. You look at Illinois, we know Coburn and Georgie. Again, they're going to be Big Ten opponents. Illinois uh, Rutgers with their big guys are going to be teams. Garza, I forget yeah, Garza. 41 you know? for Garza tonight. Yeah, they're going to be t- opponents in Michigan State plays. 
where you're going to need guys. You're going to need a number of guys to withstand what those, what those teams are going to throw at you in the post. And so those are games where I think Matty Sissoko really can be of, of great use because he not just, okay, you put him out there and he can, you know, soak up some fouls, but he has the strength and the length, you know, the, the, how big he plays. Forget the fact that he's probably about six, eight, seven, three, seven, four wingspan. That's how big he plays. That's enough to bother some of those people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's where I think he could really make an impact. And then the rest just kind of depends how quickly he gets it. When we talked the other game against Eastern, you can easily see how he could be a major impact guy as a rim runner, mm-hmm. you know, with his athletic ability, how quickly he gets his motor, how quickly he gets up and down the floor. Um, you know, if that comes along, you know, he feels comfortable catching the ball and finishing in transition, you know, that'll be a big deal. So I've seen nothing that suggests that you shouldn't be really, really excited about his future. But the good news is Michigan state right now, it does not look to me is going to have to live and die with him needing to play at a level beyond where he actually is. Cause let's just remember, not only is he a freshman, but he's a guy who just hasn't played as much basketball as a lot of a lot of kids his age. Yeah. You know? So he's a work in progress, but he has those elements. Like, ah, I can see a use for that. He's gonna be handy. And and Marble in different ways may be the same thing. I think Julius is actually a lot closer to being a playable guy. It's just they they don't need him right now to play major minutes. I, I feel like Izzo, and, and this was the case often last year, it felt like as well, where you'd see Izzo occasionally talk about it. He almost seemed to be kind of kicking himself for not being able to find a bigger role for Julius. But what do you do? Yeah. I mean, look at the game tonight. Why would you have played him more? The guys who were playing were doing the job. Mm. You know? Okay. Well, um, um, we should, we should talk a, a little bit, I think, about, um, Rocket and Aaron yeah, Henry, Henry before yeah. we turn to the return of the keys. We'll deal with Rocket first, and I know I, I got into it a little bit, but um, he, tw- he twisted an ankle there. It didn't look like any big deal to me. I mean, he stayed out on the bench, so uh, they didn't send him in the locker room. I, I don't think that's anything to worry about. I mean, theoretically, you have a quick turnaround with Duke on, on Tuesday, but mm. I suspect he'll be fine. He looked so much better physically to me than he did in that Eastern Michigan game. And and that's a that's a major, major, major deal for this team because tonight you saw what kind of difference he can make. And I, I don't know about you. Well I'll start I'll ask you. How did you think he looked as a point guard running the team? Better. Much better tonight. Uh the assists. Yeah. He he's got the, the he's got the passing ability. It's just, yeah, he, he absolutely does. He's just not quite as crisp at moving the ball sometimes, but um, yeah, but I but I think the whole package was much much more impressive for him. You know, mm-hmm. six assists to three turnovers. Okay, but, but some of the assists, man, were were really really nice plays. He had the two that I mentioned to Gabe Brown. He had probably the best one of the night. I thought was one where he penetrated and dropped off really nicely to Malik Hall. Yeah, that was um, nice. You know, there were moments where you saw Rocket showing you 
what he can be at that position. And it's a very, very different package, as we all know, from Cassius Winston. But Rocket Watts can be effective because his physical tools are such that it it affects defenses. Mm. And you saw it in that in that play with Malik Hall, where you just forced the defense to collapse on him and it created an easy bucket opportunity for a teammate, you know? So then what it comes down to at that point is is his mentality in the right spot where he's gonna look to make that play rather than, you know, take a shot. And in that in that situation in particular, what I thought was was really good is it came right after Izzo got into him for taking kind of a forced three in the corner. Yeah, really good sign there as well because it it demonstrates he got the message and he went and made the right play. Mm. Right after, the next possession. Uh, I mentioned his defense. I thought he was sensational defensively. And that, that really calms my nerves because I thought he was really bad against Eastern. And it's not that I was thinking, well, he's forgotten how to play defense. But rather, so you just don't focused. know. It's focus, but even more than that, I didn't buy. I know there were people that were talking about, well, he was he didn't play well because he was upset about not starting. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. He's proven to be a very coachable kid since he's been at MSU. I, I had those concerns about him when he was a recruit, but it, it was mostly because he hadn't been in a situation like Michigan State. Mm-hmm. He hadn't been coached hard. You just have to wonder about that, especially with the way he played the game. He dismissed all those concerns for me last year. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't think it was anything to do with that. I thought physically he didn't look like himself. I thought he was kind of dragging the leg a little bit. That was disturbing. To see him look normal tonight, great. Means means everything Izzo said that this was a temporary deal, was uh, strained ligaments, no big deal. Not a long-term thing. Uh, yeah, I think we saw evidence of that tonight. And then, you know, he he also, after a rough shooting night in the opener, what did he do? Five for 11 from the floor, but three for five from three. Great. You know, 13 points, six assists, couple rebounds. That's And, and with the defense he played, that's Rocket Watts. That's mm-hmm. what Michigan State needs from Rocket Watts, what you saw tonight. And then Aaron Henry... The numbers, the offensive numbers are not sensational. You have 14 points, 4 for 11 from the floor, 1 for 3 from 3. He was 5 for 5 at the line. But the that number, that 5 for 5 at the line is important because I think it reflects what he did, his mentality in this game. He was attacking mm-hmm. in that first half. And that's what he needs to do. Yeah. You know? You Simple see, as that. He he'd already made the decision that he was going to the rim before he caught yep. the ball. So he yep. almost had almost like a wide receiver kind of catching it on a curl and just all the way. Yep, exactly. And and that's what Michigan State needs him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he has to be aggressive, and and if he is, good things are going to happen. It's it's when Aaron gets passive and kind of turns into a spectator, just doesn't impose himself on the game, that he gets in trouble. So I thought offensively that was really encouraging to see. After, again, people were kind of critiquing that first game. I thought he played really well. Mm. He had seven assists in that opener, and I thought he let the game come to him. He was aggressive enough, but his role in that game, the way things unfolded, was to be a facilitator, and he did a great job at it. Tonight... It was a situation where he could get more going himself. He did. Then he also adds 
eight rebounds, three assists, four blocks. He did have two turnovers, but man, I, to me, I mean, you can get hung up on the four for 11 from the floor if you want, I guess, but I thought it was another really, really good game from Aaron Henry. And just like with Rocket Watts saying, this is the Rocket Watts MSU needs, that's the Aaron Henry MSU needs. Defensively, I mean, if you think there's a better wing rebounder in the Big Ten, and I might be willing to extend that to the nation, I have to think about it. If you think there's a better wing rebounder in the Big Ten, I want you to show me who that is. Because he he put on a clinic tonight. Absolute clinic. Just erased guys. And with he and Watts defending like that, and then Gabe Brown, and Josh is going to be better. I mean, whoo! And the front court guys doing what they do. This can be a special defensive team. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough to know that. That's where their ceiling is. Do they reach it consistently? We'll find out. But that's the ceiling. The tools are there for it. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me when you look at the box store is just the balance. I mean, you go down nine guys, and everyone's got something in the stat sheet. Every single, every yeah. single stat except for Langford didn't have a rebound. That's the only thing on assistant rebounds. Everybody's loaded in there. Right, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and Josh had you know three for seven from the floor, but two for three from three, mm-hmm. so that's good to see. And he had four assists. That, let's, that let's mid-range, that that mid-range yep. uh, pull-up was the Dribble and pull-up, yep. Um, let's mention one other thing real quick before we, we move to keys. Uh, and we've talked about, and people always talk about Michigan State's ball movement, right? And I forget what the number was against Eastern. It was really, really good. The um, assists assist. to make field goals tonight. 30 made field goals, 26 assists, just shy of 90%. That is, if, if you don't follow this stuff, that is, yeah, that's a number that's going to lead the country. And Michigan State does this regularly. It's not new. But I think what it should be demonstrating to you is, you know, there was always, and, and look, legitimate reason when you lose two guys that passed the ball and made plays like Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman. I don't leave X out of that. Mm. Three assists a game from a big man is you're you're a good facilitator. You lose guys like that, and of course it's natural to wonder, well, how well are they gonna are they gonna move the ball? But um, this is cultural at Michigan State, you know. And and the downside to it is you don't have historically as much as some other programs in the way of guys that just kind of take over and go get their own. Mm. Right. But I think this team actually has both. We just talked about Aaron Henry, you know, just tonight, just making a decision. He was going to go to the rim. So his points came from the line when he did that, you know, Um, we know rocket Watts can do that. I think Gabe Brown has shown signs of it at times. Joey, uh, I mean, if he gets a little bit better on the shooting touch, he would have easily had 20 and 16 tonight, you know? Oh, Hauser? Yeah. yeah. And, and there, there's one other thing worth mentioning about Joey Hauser, too, uh, which I didn't necessarily appreciate as much. Michigan State, and I'm trying to think, I guess you, you got to think about Denzel because Denzel was uh, a great rebounder, too. But Michigan State hasn't had a post guy who I think had the end-to-end game. Yeah, he can take it down the floor. 
at that level since Draymond Green. Well, he did it several times. Mm -hmm. He's going to do that. We're going to see that a fair amount where he will get a rebound and he will not give the ball up and he'll finish at the (laughs) other end. That or he will take it down and make a play for somebody else because he's an outstanding passer. And after the turnover struggles in that Eastern game, we saw a lot more of what Joey Hauser is tonight, Mm -hmm. four assists, one turnover. Yeah. So, you know, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, I said this at halftime um, on the Spartan Mag board. If, if Michigan State had shot even decently in that first half on, on jumpers, mm-hmm. they would have been up 20-plus. They were up 13 at the half, but they would have been up 20-plus. And, and they were getting – they should have because they were getting great shots. They just didn't have a lot of them fall. That was kind of Joey's night, you know. He's 0 for 4 from 3. They were all good looks. They yeah. weren't forced. He just didn't hit them. Those are going to fall. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I, I'm, I think you got to be really, really, really happy and impressed with what we saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we look at the, the keys, guard the arc. Well, like yeah. you said, they, they held them pretty low on attempts, but they did hit 38% of them. But some of that was late. A, a lot yeah, of was I, late. The, the, the percentage doesn't bother me. Because, as you say, there were some that came late, and when the game was there to be won or lost, they weren't getting much production. They got they got a lot early. You know, they were they were four for their first eight, I recall, um, and that all came maybe in the first eight ten minutes, mm-hmm. and then they were from that point four for thirteen, and as you say, a couple of those came late. But I think the bigger thing is, is this, and I'm just looking up real quickly here. Um, you know, basically one-third of their attempts in this game came from three. And I'll guarantee you that was not by design. Mike, Mike Bray wanted to, to get more threes up. That's, that's what they are. Last year, let me do some quick math on this. So, uh, it was, uh, 899 divided by 1993. Last year, 45% of their shots from the floor came from three. Oh my goodness. Tonight it was about 35. So that's the thing to focus on. Don't focus on the 38%. Focus on the fact that Michigan State just prevented them from even getting good looks for most of that game. Mm. So they want to, you know, they, they took, put another way, they took 20, 21 attempts tonight from three. Last season, they averaged 28 a game. So they got essentially 75% of their average number of attempts from three last year. That's what they got up tonight. So when you're limiting a team, a quarter below what they kind of set as a standard. And that's how Notre Dame always plays. That wasn't a last year thing. That's what, or, and this year you're going to see, if you follow them, I guarantee you're going to see those numbers being pretty close to what they were last year in terms of the attempts that they're getting up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Aaron Henry. That's Rocket Watts. That's Gabe Brown. That's also the big men doing good job, a, a very good job. I thought hedging, hedging recovery, um, 
They also didn't allow that to turn into slips for baskets by Notre Dame by the, by a guy setting a pick. I just I really liked what we saw in the defensive effort. It started with that. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame could not win this game unless they really really lit it up from three, and part of that would mean they got a lot of them off. Yep. Uh, and then rebounding boards, um, which is what I thought was the biggest improvement this game um, for sure and they uh, particularly hauser and kithier did a great job of like if they couldn't get in it like back tapping it out to the guards that, that happened maybe four four or five times i remember yep uh, you're absolutely right and and give i thought both of those guys you're right uh very active in that way and it it, it mattered you know michigan state wins the offensive rebounding battle 11 to 6 and there were there were a lot more to, MSU's offensive rebounding wasn't elite tonight um let me see so 11 divided by 40 27 and a half percent it was okay offensive rebounding rate but defensively um 6 divided by 39 um yeah they were really good 85% defensive rebounding rate that's that's more like it. That's what you need to see. And what we didn't see for a lot of last year and what we didn't see against Eastern Michigan, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, Notre Dame is – they're going to get tested starting Tuesday. They're going to face many, many more tough tests on the glass and tougher tests than what they got in this game. But this is a major, high-major opponent with size – you know, they started six, the two posts, 6'11 and 6'10. Um, that's legitimate. That's a legitimate test of Michigan State passed. So I'm very happy to see that. Big area of improvement from the open. Yeah. Uh, and then turnovers. Um, the, a turnover advantage is only two. Michigan State had yep. 12 uh, to Notre Dame's 10. Uh, so a lot cleaner there. Yep. Yeah. Much, much, much cleaner. Um Malik you know, had a couple got caught a couple times on some walks, sort of in no man's land down there. Yeah, I, you know, I got to tell you, I really didn't like those calls. I mean, I could watch them again, but watching it live, I, I thought both of those looked like they weren't great calls to me. Um, I could be wrong. Um, and again, I'd, I'd probably have to go back and maybe I'd have a different view if I took another look at it. But watching them live, I didn't like either of those calls. Mm-hmm. I thought that. Um, by and large, Michigan State was really, really good moving the ball. We talked about the assists to made field goals ratio was off the charts. Uh, just the way MSU sliced and diced that zone, they, they looked so much more decisive and sure of themselves. The Notre Dame zone is different than the Syracuse-style matchup. You know, Eastern plays a very aggressive zone. It's a little bit different in how it looks and how it plays than what Notre Dame was running. So, you know, a different kind of test. But still, uh, MSU, I thought, looked outstanding against that, and then they were outstanding against man-to-man as well. Mm-hmm. So, both turnovers in a game like this, you can absolutely live with that. And Notre Dame, a little uncharacteristically, you know, 10 turnovers for them, maybe a turnover too higher than they would expect to be. Mm-hmm. You know, they, Bardo mentioned that um, Hub 
really struggled. I mean, he had five turnovers in this game. This is a guy who was at only two assists. He averaged better than five assists a game last year. So he had a good ratio. He was their top playmaker. He just couldn't get it going. And, you know, I mean, I mean, that's arguably one of the worst 23 point games you're ever going to see. You know, he seven for 22 from the floor. Uh, they, they just, and, and he was four for 11 from three. So it means he was three for 11 inside the arc. That's the kind of job Michigan State did against him when he penetrated. You know, um, so yeah, it, turnovers again, I think you give Michigan State a big plus in this one. Uh, and then depth, uh, boy, the, they didn't have words. So they basically right. played five guys. And John Go played 16 minutes, and that was basically it off the bench. Yep. The other three yeah, guys, it was the, all junk time. The front, right, the freshman got in kind of late. I saw Sanders maybe get a turn uh, maybe in the first half, a quick, very quick, brief turn. But, yeah, it, it played out. The, the funny thing is, though, I don't know that it – you know, my thought was, okay – they get worn down, and we'll see it show up in the last eight minutes. The last eight minutes, Notre Dame turned a 28-point game into a 10-point game. So they didn't fade in the, end yeah. the way we thought. But I do think for the bulk of the game, Michigan State's depth played out the way we assumed. They just kept rolling guys in. They were fresh. And that shows up defensively, you know. MSU's guys aren't going to be taking a break. You know, they're not going to need a couple of possessions where maybe they're not as locked in. They weren't in this game, at least, where they're not as locked in as they are, you know, at other times because they're worn down. They're looking for a timeout, um, you know, just trying to get to the under whatever timeout. They, they're not, they're not in that situation very often because they're rolling guys in. You know, and we played a lot of guys, um, scholarship players. What do they play? Five. I mean, everybody played, right? So it's all 12. Um, but I mean, of those guys, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten, really, I'm not counting Hoggard and, and Sissoko, but ten played real minutes. You know, that's yeah, yeah. that's Michigan State basketball. So it had an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then pace. Um, I, I didn't didn't seem to me like they got a whole lot done on the fast break. Um, but there were no, so many but... like blocks and weird steals that kind of took a little bit of time. You know, it wasn't so much like a clean rebound led to a break. Yeah. and, and But here's the thing. That Michigan State pushed. Notre Dame did a very good job getting back. Mm-hmm. And so some of their offensive rebounding performances due to that, or, and MSU's defensive rebounding. The Notre Dame was prioritizing getting back so they didn't get run out of the gym, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I thought MSU, I thought MSU did a nice job pushing. I mean, they didn't get the production out of it you might hope to see, but that's okay. You know, we talk about it's important just to create those habits mm-hmm. because you want to be running, even in the Big Ten where you know teams are going to get back against you, you're not going to get a ton done in transition, you still you want the habits established so you're pushing constantly and forcing them to expend effort and physical and mental focus 
physical effort, mental focus on having to constantly get back defensively because that you win that war of attrition, that will matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought MSU to me, I mean, I'd be interested to hear what Izzo said, but I thought they did pretty well mm-hmm. pushing the ball. Yeah, Durham didn't seem to be get too much done. Only four points, two for seven. Uh, maybe it affected him some. Um, yeah, and I thought he, I thought he had a rough go because, you know, I, I thought Kithier defended him well positionally and made him work, and then Bingham just kind of wore his ass out. Mm. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go back to kind of, but I want to say of Bingham's four blocks, I think three of them came against Durham. It wasn't like he was, you know, getting those goaltender weak side shot blocks mm-hmm. where a guard gets by somebody and he comes over and, you know, the Ben Wallace specials. Not yeah. that there's anything wrong with that. That stuff matters too. But, but Markey specifically, it was coming against Durham. Just That's one on one. a big deal. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, because he's – I agree. I think he was um, – he had a rough night. You know, I mean, you look at you look at Notre Dame scoring. I mean, they did have four of their five starters. Durham was the only one who wasn't in double digits. But, man, some of these guys, I mean, Cormac Ryan, three for 12 from the floor, and that included three for seven from three. Goodwin, three for 10. He wouldn't have hit double figures if they didn't keep bailing him out with questionable foul calls. Late. <laughs> yeah. um, you know – Lazuski uh, was the only guy they had that I thought played pretty well. I was impressed with him. He had 12 and nine, four for six from before. If it is only three, um, you know, he played okay, but there are other guys. I just, I don't think they were up to the task when Michigan state really decided you know, Michigan state just flipped the switch and said, Hey, we're going to shut you down. We're taking away everything you want to do. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a response. And that's why for as impressed as I am and as, happy as I am to see what MSU did in this game, we also all understand, or should, that there are going to be different kinds of tests. Notre Dame is a a team that plays a, a fairly sophisticated offensive style. They have perimeter shooters and an emphasis on that. They have some skilled guys. They don't have athletes that are going to test you very much. So, you know, starting Tuesday night, we're going to see a little how MSU shapes up against a team that can take you off the dribble that is going to test your perimeter defenders in a little bit different way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but again, when a team can shoot it the way Notre Dame does and wants to shoot it the way they do job one in this game was don't let them get those shots off. And Michigan state passed with flying colors on that front. So I, I'm, that's why I'm really impressed. Mm-hmm. They did the number one thing that you have to do against Notre Dame. They did it really, really well. Uh, so you, you'd mentioned it a little bit. Duke coming up on Tuesday, Duke ranked number ninth uh, in the country. They got a win over Copen state 81, 71 today. Um, so this should be a, an interesting matchup. They're relying yeah, I mean, on a lot of freshmen though. They are. It's a young team, and while I'm, I'm not going to say they're without talent because that's clearly not true, um, it's not a freshman class like we've seen sometimes in the past at, at Duke. Uh, this is not a Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett class, in my opinion. Uh, their, their leading scorers today were two freshmen, and one of them, Josiah Johnson, is uh, from Wisconsin, 
is a, is a really good player. You know, he's six nine, he's versatile. But I'll tell you, the the question mark with Duke coming in this year is a familiar one. It's one they've had to deal with several times in recent years, and it's can they shoot? And that's what I mean by this is going to present a different kind of challenge. Because if you're Michigan State, if Duke wants to hoist 33s, this Duke team, I think you let them. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to want to play a little differently, and so it's going to pose a different kind of challenge for MSU. But, uh, you know, yeah, let, bring it on. You know, it's <laughs> always a good it's always a good level check, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think – I don't think you really sweat whether you win or lose. Um, you want to see where you're at and and kind of get a sense of, you know, in this season more than most, it's going to be really hard to know. I mean, the other thing we haven't even really mentioned about tonight, in fairness, this was Notre Dame's first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. MSU had a game under their belt. And, you know, in Duke, it will be their second game. It will be MSU's third. So MSU will have a little bit of an advantage. I'm pretty sure Duke doesn't play between now and then. Um, so MSU might have that advantage, you know. Uh, but with, with COVID, it's just hard to know where teams are at. You know, poor Oakland, who we're going to see in a few weeks, has just been getting ripped up. I mean, just destroyed by people. And part of the reason is they've had their coaching staff and then the whole program has had been shut down for a while. You know, they just haven't had practice time. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how much you can take from these things in that sense. You know, you don't want to make too much of it. I think for tonight, you feel pretty good about what it shows you the ceiling could be of this Michigan State team. Well, we don't know defensively. But what we don't know yet is um, how quickly can they reach that and how consistently can they play at that level. Duke will be another different kind of test to to see how that turns out, you know. Mm. But I don't think we're going to really know a lot about anybody in a definitive in a way where you feel like, yeah, this is locked in what this team is until we get into January. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've seen. I, I don't know if you saw any of Gonzaga this week. I, I, I watched Gonzaga play a Kansas team that's usually pretty good defensively and I think will be good defensively. And Gonzaga hung like 102 on them. Yeah. They, they look incredible, you know, absolutely incredible offensively. To me, they're clearly the favorite mm. nationally. Uh, but who knows, you know? <laughs> so that applies to everybody, including MSU. But for, for one night at least, I think if you're an MSU fan, you feel pretty damn good about what you just saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, until the uh, uh, the preview for Duke, the Final Four is not on the schedule. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail, the ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.